Welcome to Songs and Tales, a podcast where we delve too greedily and too deep into the works of J.R.R. Tolkien. I'm Aaron. And I'm Clara. And we are the worm tongues that will guide you on this journey. Slytherin. Around. Our tongues slytherin. Yeah, I, I suppose we should confess we are recording in person for the first time ever for the pod. It is very weird. <laughs> You want to stop? We can stop and you can drive back to your house. Yeah. (laughs) Yep, that'll work for me. No, it's weird. We're sitting right across the table from each other. Like, it's just so strange to just, like, look you right in your eyes. Like, I feel like... (laughs) I don't know why the screen provides me, like, a bit of comfort, but... Wow. Wow. You heard it here first. Uh, I am off-putting and upsetting. I'm not comfortable. (laughs) <laughs> uh, no special occasion we just uh we'd wanted to do a in-person recording for a long time and yeah. we just never did for Correct. a variety of reasons covid but other things too yeah i mean you did not have a, a place in which to no, record and i have a dog and a husband and so recording <laughs> in person becomes a little more difficult when you have like Mostly because of the dog. You have Hazel prancing <laughs> through, making noise every three minutes. And we also now live like five, ten minutes yeah. away from each other. So it feels good. It feels right. It, it just It's like, I don't know. It's very weird. <laughs> I had a picture of Hazel like tromping into your room like that guy whose kid interrupted him in the middle of like the CNN interview. Yes. That's essentially mm-hmm. Hazel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was essentially her during, I had a call today and she just like came into the room, like squealing and crying about something. And <laughs> well, she knew that the, the men of the Westfold were in trouble. That's right. She was trying to signal to me <laughs> that I needed to go to the golden hall and mm-hmm. break and the spell of the worm the tongue. King, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, his heir has died. So and yeah, they don't really touch on that much, do they? No, he's kind of like, he dies off screen. And... Yeah, they're like really casual about the fact that his son dies. But I feel like the mortality in Middle Earth is pretty high. Yeah, that's true. But his son dying certainly seems like Maybe didn't connected like to the events of the book, right? Well, it's yeah. not like he just died off screen, you know, falling in a ditch. <laughs> like he died on sc- off screen getting killed by a bunch of orcs. Yeah, that's true. In like in the Westfold, which is why they're going to Helm's Deep. Right. But like they don't really. No, we can't tarry on those kind of details. No. Other details, yes, but not that detail. Yeah, not on Theodred dying. We also don't know anything about his wife, the Queen. No. Is she ever mentioned? No. Okay. I have never that thought has never occurred to me. We are a hundred percent correct. <laughs> she is never mentioned. <laughs> Maybe he. Okay, hear me out. The Riders of Rohan are like the Smurfs. There's just one There's woman. There's just one woman, and it's Eowyn. I mean, that's mm-hmm. honestly... Theoden's Papa Smurf. Yep. Uh, Gambling's Sleepy Smurf. Who's Amir? I don't uh, know any of the Smurfs aside Papa Smurf. The strong Smurf. That's a Smurf. <laughs> I don't think it is. <laughs> please write in with the names of the Smurfs. Please write, yeah, if you know the names of the Smurfs, please, uh, please write it in. <laughs> Uh, but yeah it is bizarre right like yeah never mentioned never mentioned no like other women are ever mentioned no. it's just Eowyn who's lusted after by Wormtongue and who lusts after Aragorn yeah and he kind of is into her 
Yeah, he's just like, he's feeling himself. It's yeah. a little rude. Yeah. But he's feeling himself. You can talk about if Eric Gordon leads Eowyn on at oh, a different, little, at a different yeah. point. Yeah, there is not uh, enough of this relationship. You mean when she cooks him soup? <laughs> or is that only in the movie? It's only in the movie, thank mm-hmm. God. It's a nice it's, detail. It's a painful detail. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we'll save that that particular sex yeah. theory. Yeah, I mean, for, it's uh, starting here, but yeah. it develops much. It's like kind of hot and heavy here already. Yeah. For Tolkien, I mean. Yeah, yeah. We'll, but we'll, we're, getting, we're not going to jump we're in. We're our horses ahead of, <laughs> ahead of the horse princess. Cart. Sure. Also, Tolkien is Tina Belter. Yeah. He's a horse girl. He is absolutely a horse okay. girl. I'm trying to get that out there yeah. before we delve into the actual he meat. He loves horses. Horses and trees. We, I think we talked about this last week. We did, yeah. Really into horses, really into trees. Gave, essentially, his favorite civilization, yeah. the Anglo-Saxons, right. his favorite creature, right. horses. And then his favorite trees thing, trees, saves them. Yes. Yeah. So this is Tolkien, you know, just really... Being himself. I mean, if he weren't Catholic, he'd be a Wiccan. A hundred percent. Or like, like how a Druid or something. Yeah, how is he not, honestly? Oh, man. He might have been. I think he wanted to be. Maybe secretly. <laughs> Secret Wiccan. Secret Wiccan. Um, Wiccan? I think Druid. I think it probably is Druid. I think Druid. Yeah. Wiccan's Older, like, more based yeah, in... Like animal animalism and shit yeah wiccan is old but it's more like witchy whereas druid is more like earthy spirity yeah. right right like a wiccan just orders like weird things out of kind of goth catalogs yeah no offense to any wiccans out there I, that's true yeah. i am sure that there's more to your practice than ordering right weird in. things out of goth goth catalogs <laughs> but right in, right there's uh, a distinction between wiccan and druidism yes being a druid yeah i guess I don't even like know a druid like, no i'm just i don't even know if druidism is that a word i don't I guess know it is. right in <laughs> right in with the smurfs and wiccan practice uh but right like druid practices date back to like pre-britain uh, yeah. britain so they old. it would make sense that yeah Tolkien might yeah. be a little dru- druidic i think is where i was trying to go with that right go. druidic sure yeah i like that uh, we have wandered far afield already. Oh, well. But that's fine, because we're here to talk about fields. two more chapters. Yeah. There are some other fields. I don't know. They're riding across yeah, something. But yeah, we're here to talk <laughs> about two more chapters that we are we are metaphorically riding through this mm-hmm, week. Mm-hmm. I brought it back. The King of the Golden Hall and bum, 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 Hell's Deep, our oh, first deep. real battle scene, right? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I wouldn't mean, consider anything that happened in Moria a battle scene. It's like no. a fight, but it's I not mean, a battle. True. Um, We're both, yeah. Yeah, King of the Golden Hall, what happens? Uh, Aragorn, Gimli, Legolas, Gandalf arrive at <sighs> Metaseld, which is where Theoden King lives. It's uh, not, surprisingly, not a fiber pill. No, it's not Metamuse. <laughs> <laughs> the King's Golden Hall, where everything happens on time. That's right. We talked about being regular last week. Well, we cannot I'm just, continue. I'm slowly along trying to turn this podcast into a uh, regular. Aaron <laughs> wants to be. <laughs> Sponsored by Fiverr One. <laughs> yes, I would even you know Metamucil anybody, anybody who'll sponsor us, any sponsor the Smurfs anybody anybody. 
Gandalf breaks a spell on Theoden. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Wound about him by one worm, Grima worm tongue, Grima. as if we, you know, had any reason yeah. to trust someone whose name was Grima who's worm also tongue. Very pale with heavily lidded eyes. Yeah. I mean, he's a precursor to Severus Snape. Mm-hmm. Please don't at me for mentioning Harry Potter. I'm not <laughs> trying to cause controversy, but he is a precursor to Severus yeah. Snape. Um, saves Theoden Theoden's like great we ride to war they go to Helm's Deep they fight a battle yeah it's kind of it yeah. I mean really things look bad for a while then things get good then things get good because the trees arrive that's right <laughs> yeah so I guess we'll begin at the beginning mm-hmm. with kind of what's going on with Theoden when they get there who the hell is Wormtongue and what's his deal and how does how does Gandalf you know how does Gandalf do his, do his thing? <laughs> well, Theoden is very sleepy and very old. Yes, unnaturally old, so. It's old like a and Stillskin's kind yeah, of old and gray and full of sleep, mm-hmm. but not in like a cute no. Yeatsian and Irish no. way. In like a, a shriveled, uh, malignant, raisin, like really <laughs> yes. goopy-eyed way. Oh, yeah. 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 No one's been rubbing the crust out of Theoden's eyes. No. Although his eyes are still blazing. It's the only part of him that's still... Yeah, but they're crusty. Yeah, yeah they're blazing because the heat's of Visine. Yeah, they're uh, just really bloodshot. Really bloodshot. So the movie does a good job of this, right? Like, he looks shriveled and old. Yeah, the movie does a great job of this. Actually, yeah, this scene is one of my favorites in the movie. Yeah, it's a good one in the movie. Um, um, and uh, at first we don't... Well, Gandalf sees a note right away what the problem is. Yeah, I think Gandalf knows like before, before they arrive, there, right? Because yeah. he does this little ruse about, oh, would you deny an old man his stuff? <laughs> Which, good good job. I love this. I love it in the book. I love it in the movie. Yeah, it the is like, I laugh every time. I know. And I read this. like his, like, helps him with it he's like you can't take this old man's right stick away. like this i don't know this bit that he's like i need my staff to walk <laughs> is very good and gambling's like is it gambling here no, is it hama is like yeah. fair he's like you don't seem like you're up to no good yeah he truly they aren't he literally so. says the staff in the hand of a wizard may be more than a proper age yet in in doubt a man of worth will trust his own wisdom i believe you're friends and folk worthy of honor you may go in. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, like you could use this for magic, but you seem all you right. You seem okay. He passes the vibe check and they let yep. him in. And they let him in. Um, and then this whole thing happens where basically Gandalf like breaks this spell that's mm-hmm. on Theoden. Um, that worm tongue has put on him by giving yeah. him false counsel essentially yeah, he's just been whispering in his ear yeah so we've seen this kind of before with like the power language yeah has and here it seems yeah that he's just been listening to false counselors and yeah but it's, it's aged him. him this is a confusing thing to well, me do you, have like... a, do you have a way to explain yeah. this to my pea brain like <laughs> You know, it's not just that he's not mm-hmm. doing anything. It's that he's, like, old and feeble. Right. Yeah, so his, like, inf- his mental enfeeblement's paired with a physical enfeeblement, I guess, mm-hmm. is how I see it, right? Like, Wormtongue's taken everything from him, so he's not only mentally incapable of kind of being the king he's normally would be, but also physically unable. Um, he's actually described as being thin and, like, hunched, kind of like a little 
I don't know. A little goblin-y kind of thing, almost. <laughs> Thin and hunched as goblin-y. I think it is. <laughs> Aaron is incredibly thin and has pretty middling posture. Wow! So. Well, you know what? Canceling the plot. <laughs> There's just uh, a scuffle as Aaron like dives across the table at me. <laughs> I'm gonna edit in some fight noises. Um, but bum, yeah, I, bum, I, bum, I just bum, 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 bum. was that eight seconds? <laughs> I don't think they're going to come after that. Uh, Anyway. Uh, Yeah. Um, Wrestling, I was thinking of, but I got distracted by Eye of the Tiger. Um, I'm going to draw a connection to Tolkien's Catholicism that he would probably hate. Is this an exorcism? Yeah. Because that's how it plays out in the movies. Well, the movies definitely... uh, But reading it in the book... Like in the, I guess in the movie they make it seem like he is literally being possessed by Sauron. In the book, there, yeah, there's no like striving between Gandalf and Sauron. There's no like, right? Theoden doesn't seem to be like fighting him at all. He's just like old. But is it still an exorcism? (laughs) Um. I mean, does it feel yeah, that way? Less so than the film, for sure. It just seems to be a, like a battle of words between Gandalf and Wormtongue, because Gandalf finally dismisses him and just says, "Like, I'm not gonna. I didn't come all this way to, right. <laughs> to fight with bandy words of this, you know, self-serving man." And that's when it seems to like snap, mm-hmm. because Wormtongue then freaks out that they brought the staff in. Then Gandalf says. He, you know, he says, will you hearken to me? And that's where he's able to coax him outside. He gets up off his chair. Mm-hmm. He goes outside, and he seems to perk up at this point. And, like, yeah, it's it's much easier than in the film where he's, that, like, Saruman literally speaks through him. Right. There's, like, uh, a real kind of wizard yeah, fight that happens. And like, then Gandalf, yeah. like, casts him out of Theoden. Yeah, it's much more like leeching poison from a wizard yes, kind of he thing. he says or, that, right. I think, yeah, at he one does, point. yeah. Whereas here, it's just like, he, he just needs to be woken up. Right. It's kind of, I mean, it does parallel the ends mm-hmm. a bit mm-hmm. uh, with this idea of like things that are slumbering that aren't supposed to be. Yeah. Or that need to be roused because they're mm-hmm. in danger. Um, and I also yeah. think here, you know, some of the agency is on Theoden more than on Gandalf. Like, yeah. you know, I'm going to keep using the movie as a comparison because, like you said, you know, you love the scene in mm-hmm. the movie, but it is really different in the book. It's not as, yeah, it's, there's no real aggression. Yeah. And I like that in the book, Theoden is sort of an agent of his own, like, you know, freeing from mm-hmm. warm tongue. Because, um, yes, it's literally just like for a while, <laughs> Gandalf and warm tongue are like, you're wrong. I'm right. Yeah. I'm, and Theoden's like, mm, cool. Love to be stuck in the middle of these two. I love it when boys like, fight boys over me. fighting over me. <laughs> um, but then, you know, Wormtongue says, it is as I feared this wizard has bewitched you. Are none left to the, defend the golden hall of your fathers? And Theoden says, if this is bewitchment, it seems to be more wholesome than mm. your whisperings. Your leechcraft ere long would have had me walking on all fours like a beast. 
Uh, no, not one shall be left, not even Grima. Grima shall ride too. So it is sort of like Theoden acknowledging his own subservience to Grima and like mm-hmm. casting that off as well, which I like, mm-hmm. right, that okay, he kind yeah. of like plays a role in his own. Right. Yeah, he chooses to follow Gandalf. Right. Yeah. But do we also think that, I was thinking this too, do we think Theoden just goes from like one counselor to another? Like, can Theoden make his own decisions, right? Because he does kind of just like go from Grima to having Gandalf Gandalf as his counselor. And like, I know. Does he know how to make a decision by himself? Or is there like historical or some sort of like Precedent. precedent for this? Like, Yes, I realize historically kings have had counselors, mm. but Theoden especially seems like he yeah. really just sort of is very willing to let someone else be in right. charge. Right. Uh, which is maybe unfair to Theoden, but... Well, he just woke up. The impression you get, <laughs> yeah. right? Right, because even when he's deciding who to leave in charge when he's gone, that decision passes to either Hama or one of the other like guards where they're like well why don't we let Eowyn do it yeah it's the, either Hama or trust her Glam uh, I think it's Hama because I think isn't gambling gambling later when they get to Helm's Deep he shows up kind yeah of, yeah so I think it's Hama but either way right like even that decision is made by somebody else yeah and he just sort of goes along with it, like oh yeah everybody does love her right we know that you know Tolkien's kind of common commentary on monarchy is a bit shady and Aaron's nodding. I think he knows where I'm going with this. But like, I mean, Theoden is kind of a perfect example of like denuded, like Mm. power of a monarch, right? Even Mm. when he regains his own sanity, he still is not the one making decisions, right? It's all Gandalf or Eomir or Aragorn. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times Aragorn. Yeah, he he's their role. perfectly happy. <laughs> they hadn't so really happy to just like pass the buck. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like in, in Arthurian legend, is Merlin kind of the same way with King Arthur? I'm For King Arthur, you yeah. mean? As in like Arthur isn't making decisions, mm-hmm. but Merlin is? I think in some Arthurian myth, okay. yes. I think it depends what you read. Okay. Um, they're so much... I know there's like out so there, right? I think versions, but. I'm trying to think of an example. I mean, the only one that's coming to mind is Mort d'Arthur, and mm-hmm. Merlin doesn't feature like super no. heavily. Um, the French don't like wizards. That's right. Um, but yeah, I was trying to think of like an analog for a king who has a. As a wizard counselor. Well, no, just like a counselor. Just a counselor. Yeah, relies heavily on. Um. And, like, maybe it isn't so much a criticism either as it is just, like, Tolkien saying, you know, a king doesn't act alone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, if we're thinking of analog and, you know, the Magna Carta, right, would be mm-hmm. your prime example of, like, you know, the king holds power, but he... Right. Has counselors and lords and, lords and right and, and other people to help advise him. I just think that Theoden almost leans too heavily on his well, advisors. 
Yeah, yes, he's just waking up, and I get it. When you just wake up, you're like yeah. so gross. So he's no one's wiped the sleep out of his eyes yet. Eowyn's uh, too busy staring at Aragorn. And... I know, making moon faced. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I guess yeah. My question then maybe is like, is one of the qualities of good king that Tolkien is highlighting is ability to take good advice versus like right, to, separate to separate the good two. And bad advice. Yeah. Like good counselors from bad counselors. Like is that the primary role of a king? Maybe. It might be worth thinking about when we get to Denethor then too. Yeah, and even Aragorn, right? I mean. That's true, although he tends to take advice. Right, good advice. Well, so, like... Yeah. And oddly enough, when he doesn't have someone to lean on, he also has a panic attack. Right. As we talked about at the end of Right, the so is it not so much that, like, they can't make a decision, it's that they need to know who to who to listen to because they can't make... Because it's almost like... I mean, thinking of... Yeah. I think thinking of kind of Aragorn's struggle to make decisions is interesting here because it's it almost the text almost implies that it's unfair for, that Aragorn has to make these decisions mm-hmm. by himself because he does struggle so much. So right, is it like unfair for someone to be given all the... so much power and then no one to counsel mm-hmm. him to make these big decisions? Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know. So can we criticize Theoden for taking, like, you know, for deferring to counselors? Or, right, is it, like, actually a good thing that he knows how to... Right. He solicits opinions Mm -hmm. and then makes a decision. Mm -hmm. But if you, I mean, if you listen to Wormtongue, like, there is, I would say, like, some... (laughs) I don't want to say credence, but like there, it does make some sense that like you know he's like, well, now you're just listening to some other guy, <laughs> and his advice is bad too. And of course, Gandalf's advice is not bad; it's never bad. We know that by now. But like, it's precisely as good as it means, right? Great. <laughs> That's right. You know, I don't know. Wormtongue kind of makes a point that like, yeah, but now you're just turning around and listening to the other yeah. guy. Listen to your own gut, Theoden. He's just jelly. He doesn't have a gut. He's so tall and skinny. That's true. He probably has a little pot belly because he's been sitting on his throne uh, for so long. Uh, I don't know. I think at the end of the day, like Theoden is one of the better kings we see. Yeah, he's a good king. Uh, I'm not trying no to like hate on Theoden, but... but... Uh, I mean, Theoden's certainly a more fatherly king than Aragorn. He is. Uh, Theoden's like a king you would hug. Aragorn's like a king you would like. Well, if you're Aowen, you try to hug. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Theoden is a king that you hug. Aragorn is a king that you try to hug. <laughs> I mean, Aragorn will, will hug the boys, I think. He'll hug his bros. Right. But you're a stranger. But he's he like, yeah, he's not like. No, he's not overly offensive. He doesn't give off that vibe. No. But Theoden's also a little bit older, which I think comes up a couple yeah, times he's like, here, too. Yeah, he's like Santa King. He does, he, there is mention of his long white beard. Is that, does that stick around after he's cured? I think cured so, of his, yeah. Okay. He, they talk about him standing up in oh, his long right. white beard, like, tumbling to his waist. Yeah, because his wrinkles go away, but I guess his beard stays. Yeah, and his wrinkles go away really gradually. And I love the, like, they talk about, like, he smiles. Yeah. And then when he smiles, like... He has fewer wrinkles, which is very beautiful. So it's a cute, cute image. Yeah, he's a king you would hug. Yeah. 
He's the cuddly king. That's right, with a big white beard. Oh my god. Can I talk about a quibble that I have? Yeah, we love quibbles. Okay. I, Tolkien, you're doing so well in this book. And then these Mm -hmm. freaking horses' names. Like, you are a horse boy. Give us something better than snow mane. (laughs) Or uh, what is Amor's horse's name? Firefoot. I know, it's like having a pet rabbit and naming a snowball. Right, like, I mean, come on. At least, I mean, we have Hassafel and Arod. Okay, that's fine. Sure. Great, so come up with some more cool names for these other horses besides Snowmane and Firefoot. Okay. And honestly, even Shadowfax. There, has, there have got to be better names than yeah. this for these horses. You, He doesn't name that many horses. That's true, we only get a few. He doesn't have to think that hard to come up with better and names than the names he's given them. Were these like the names of his own horses? I don't think he owned horses. Life. No, but the ones he rode at the farm or whatever they was at. I don't think their names were Firefoot. You never know. Even a stumpy British farmer could come up with a better name for a horse Oi, than Firefoot. Oi, my horse Firefoot. <laughs> Sorry. Watch it. They all sound like that. Yeah. There go all our British <laughs> listeners. Sorry to all of our British listeners. Tuesday, isn't it? <laughs> God. Clara's teeth just went in all directions. She said it. <laughs> <laughs> Tuesday. That's right. I turned into Wallace from Wallace, Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> yeah. If you can picture it. <laughs> so your quibble is his horse name. Yeah, I think good. they're really silly. I think he could have done better. They're not great. Do you have a quibble? Do you have any quibbles? I feel like I am always quibbling and you're just like... Well, sometimes they say really nasty things that you look at me askance about. Like when I said Tolkien maybe isn't a good writer <laughs> at one time. That's more uh, than a quibble, I that's think. True. Yeah, it's a that's complaint. a beef. A beef. Uh, I, I actually don't with these two chapters. Wow. I, I really Heard like it here both. first, folks. Aaron does not have a quibble. I like them both for very different reasons. Uh, I think... Um, you know, there's some interesting snippets in the King of the Golden Hall. Like, I like the way the language is, again, being used as a source of power. But I also thought our final image of Eowyn uh, is an interesting one because it repeats images we've seen of women elsewhere in Tolkien, where mm-hmm. she's standing in front of an empty house watching the men leave, mm-hmm. uh, which may remind us of, uh, um, what's his name's mom? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. For the love of God. It wasn't Turin, was it? Yeah. Was it Turin's mom? Yeah, one of the versions, ma, 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 ma. at least two of the versions. Madros. We cast her as uh, Angelica Houston. Oh, that's right. Morwin. No, but something Morwin. like Morwin. Is it Morwin? Okay, it Morwin. doesn't matter. But the point is, we've had this happen with the, yes. the, the very few women we've had in this story. This image has come up multiple yes. times, so clearly it has some significance. To, yes. To Tolkien, and we see it here again, where after she is made. The leader of this party that's going to evacuate to Helm's Deep, which later, of course, they all go there. But at this point in time, it's just going to be her and like mm-hmm. the the townspeople, basically, and I guess a few soldiers. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, she's standing there watching the you know the horses and the glints of the spears as they ride off. And, and the lasting image we have her is standing before the empty door of this empty house. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so every time we see this this image of like home is empty. I mean, it's sort of like you know. Odysseus and Penelope too, mm-hmm. right? Where she's waiting. Like, there's this image of the woman as this waiting figure mm-hmm. that I think we've talked about 
before, and it recurs here with one of the few women that we have seen mm -hmm. so far. It's like her and Galadriel. And <laughs> yeah, and I actually think this does sort of mirror, no pun intended, Galadriel ah. as well. Mm -hmm. um, not, yeah, not, not exactly. It's kind of like a funhouse mirror, but mm -hmm. always kind of the woman like receding as they like leave, right? I, I don't have my... Oh, copy yeah, of, she, of the fellowship, but like she's like out on like the, the you know spit on the river on the, the boat or whatever, mm -hmm. and she's just they talk about her being like you know just yeah. a simple elven elven maid, clad in white and like raising her hand in like a gesture of like blessing or whatever as they right. go as they you know go by and round a bend mm -hmm. and she disappears. Right. So it is sort of this similar right solitary female figure mm -hmm. receding into the distance as they right go to war, go off and do yeah. their thing and. I mean, it's, yeah, it seems very much informed by his own World War One experience, mm -hmm. too, where there was such a divide between life in the front and life at home, mm -hmm. and, like, the incommunicability of that. Um, so, yeah, a woman is a figure who remains behind, kind of mm -hmm. shielded from that. Of course, with the AON, that does change later yes. on, but um, it is interesting here that we have that hearth and home image mm -hmm. return here. Yeah. So yeah, no, I like it. I, I like this section a lot, actually. I, I love no. the, like, Gandalf takes him outside and he says, you know, go out among, go out go and be behold among the, the land again or something. He says, too. I don't remember. Well, he says, like, oh. I swear to God, I read this, everyone. I just... <laughs> he says, too long. Okay, so he says, um, I bid you come out. So this is when he's actually speaking to him after Warren Tongues freaks out about the staff. <laughs> um, so this is kind of at the end of his appeal. He oh. says, I bid you come out before your doors and look abroad. Too long have you sat in shadows and trusted to twisted tales and crooked promptings. This is when he leaves his chair. And then later on he says, um, look upon your land, breathe the free air again. Um, and I know you've talked about isolationism a lot and how it comes up. And I think this is another instance of that too, right? Mm -hmm. like, it's so insular. Like the when you first arrive at the Golden Hall, it's beautiful on the outside, but when you go in, it's super yes, stifling. It's, it's yes. dark. There's like a hot fire. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's you know they can kind of dimly make out things mm -hmm. on the walls. Like there's you know carvings that are painted. Yeah. Um, but it's very dark and stuffy. Uh, I think there's like a just like the opening at the top for the smoke from the fire to go out, and that's the only source of mm -hmm. light, really, other than the fire. Um, so you have this this idea of stepping out into the sunlight too. Um, so I, yeah, I just really like how it works on like a, I don't know, thematic, symbolic level. It works. Out of the darkness and into the light. <laughs> yeah, it's very literal, but yeah. Um, to your point about like, is this an exorcism? I think this actually maybe strengthens that point. Mm -hmm. You know. But there's also this sort of school of thought about like nature healing too. The idea that you go out in the sun and the sun will cure right. you of things, burn um, away your demons. Literally. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah, right. Yeah, so there's that. Kind Interesting. Of going the on sun makes his wrinkles go away. Well, he must moisturize a lot. That's right. <laughs> That's right, Aaron. <laughs> um, yeah, and then you know, so Gandalf just becomes his hype man then. Yeah, basically. Um, but no, I, I like these two sections. I think the Helm's Deep is great too. I think it's a, I don't know. I wish Tolkien wrote more battle scenes like this one. Um, can we do, can we talk before we move on to Helm's Deep? Yeah, and, sure and get that. off this. Can we talk like a little bit about Eowyn and Aragorn? Yeah, they're horny as hell. <laughs> right. Uh, I forgot how truly horned up she is for him. Yeah. And he's also reciprocal. He's encouraging it. 
I, I agree. I agree. And like I said, I think in in I don't remember if it's the end of this section or, or yeah. if it's at the beginning of Return of the King. Uh, but there is definitely a little bit of uh, flirting a going bit on, thing, if you will. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's literally described as a daughter of kings, yeah. and she's not, right? Like, she is she's a niece, niece of, of a king. king. <laughs> well, I guess it's the same bloodline. Yeah, I mean, so, yes, but... technically, I guess she is. She's not the daughter of this king. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, slender and tall she was, and her white robe well, girt with silver, but strong she seemed and stern as steel, a daughter of kings. Thus, Aragorn, for the first time... Uh, in the full light of day beheld Eowyn, Lady of Rohan, and thought her fair, fair and cold, like a morning of pale spring that has not yet come to womanhood. I find something very troubling about that. I see him, like, doing the, like... Yeah, the look down. And now she was suddenly aware of him, tall, heir of kings, wise with many winters, great cloak, hiding a power that yet she felt... Uh, mm-hmm. For a moment, stood as stood. For a moment, still a stone. She stood, then turning swiftly, she was gone. She's damn bad. Yeah, and yeah. She's also like, yeah. Hot. They're giving each other I a know. look. I know. <laughs> yes, <laughs> for sure. When they pass around the sharing cup, and his oh, hand sorry. touches hers, mm-hmm. and she like trembles. I know. I was like, mm. <laughs> um, yeah, I just it's. I think we're gonna have to give more thought to this relationship, if we could call it a relationship. Yeah, I don't know. Certainly a flirtation. Because it's it's bizarre. (laughs) (laughs) There's like this weird, seemingly instant attraction between the two of them. Yeah. I mean, and I don't quite understand (laughs) why. Other than like, is this the first man Eowyn's ever beheld who doesn't have blonde hair? And And is this the first woman Aragorn has ever seen that isn't Arwen? I mean, it seems that way. And she is like a she's different, very different than Arwen, who we never get a physical description of, other than like she is Luthien reincarnate, so she's like dark, dark, yeah, right, as opposed to fair, which is. Yeah, Always Aowen Tolkien's distinction, right? Worm tongue's very fair as well. Yeah. He even has a pale tongue, which is yeah. disgusting. Um, uh, I hate you have a theory. Go ahead, share uh, it. I wonder if this is part of like the courtly test mm, of his kingliness, mm-hmm. right? The idea that he's tempted by this woman. I think he's it is. not Arwen. Um, and in order for the temptation to work, right, like it can't just be her that's attracted to him. He also has to be attracted right. to her in order for it to have any sort of stakes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that's how I read it, as sort of He's like a Gawain, Gawain kind here. Of, yes, sort of situation. Well, with Gawain, right, his faith is pledged not to a woman, but to... I, I mean, like just kind of like courtly ideals. Of, yeah, yeah like I'm not going to like fuck another yeah, knight's, another knight's wife. wife. Yeah, <laughs> Um Right, but it's the same kind of test, right? Is this like test of ethics or test of code? Right, and like, test of fidelity, certainly. Mm-hmm. Even though I think it's more ambiguous here because we don't really understand the like depth of his fidelity to Arwen. Right. Cause I think, yeah, Tolkien's relying on us making the immediate connection of the Luthien story to them. Right. To feel that, I think. Whereas yeah. if you're coming to this without that, I agree. Arwen's relationship to him is kind of baffling. And right. Cold and, and, and you don't quite understand yeah. why like the Eowyn thing doesn't work out. Right. Cause there's way more like, 
Yeah, there's way more tension between the yeah. two of them than Arwen and he ever expressed. Yeah, it's and it's like a very. But that's the thing, right? Like the, it's that's more chaste, so that's the more appropriate. Right. Even though, like, this is also very chaste. I know, but right? like, like the standards of. <laughs> right. Like they touch hands. But she trembles. She trembles, she trembles at his touch. Mm. Um. <laughs> Which feels also very like Regency novel, it right? Is, it is. Yeah, it is 100%. Regency yes, it's novel, very yeah. like. Victorian novel, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very this sort of like courtly mm-hmm. test. <laughs> but it's also. She shows in her ankle. Okay, basically, yeah. right? I mean, there can't be any like words spoken between no. them. So they just have to communicate through like very subtle, right. weird. Right. Like, yeah. Gestures. Yeah. Uh, and this whole section is about like hospitality too. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, Thaden's giving them all gifts. He mm-hmm. gives Gandalf shadow facts. He yes. Gives, he says, you can take whatever you want from my storeroom. Yeah. And Gimli gets his little boyhood shield, which is a very cute detail. And his little hat. <laughs> his little hat. Um, so yeah. And me. Come into, I said, is Thaden and me? <laughs> Come into my home. Aaron knows. Like, if people come into my home. You did give me a horse one time. I did give Aaron a horse. If people come into my home or, like, people in my life, like, I just, like, give gifts and, like, things. And Aaron's nodding. He's been on the receiving end of this. That's true. Aaron bought our house. And I was like, here, let me give you, like, ten housewarming presents. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, no lies detected. Including a plunger. Yeah, the best one is the plunger. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, so I think this is part of that too, though. Yeah. The hospitality thing, right? Is like, there's a way in which this flirtation could be sanctioned mm-hmm. theoretically by Theoden, right? Yeah. Like, there's nothing stopping it. Correct. From happening. Yeah. Except Aragorn's own resolve. Yeah. Yes. And in, yeah. I think, in, again, this is something that I think in the movie they spell out a lot more yeah. clearly because yeah. Arwen is so much more present. Mm-hmm. Um, and her relationship with Aragorn is much more just like on literal view for, yeah. um, you know, the, the, um, the, I don't know, viewer, yeah. view for the viewer. Yeah. No shit, Clara. <laughs> um, but also in one of the movies, there's like a, the point where Theoden literally says to Eowyn, like, he's a good man. Yeah. Right. And so, like, he does, yeah. he does sort of, like... He's like, yeah, you yeah, should, you you should, should go for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. That's right. I forgot about that in the film. Um, where, but yes, I mean, I don't remember. I don't think that ever happens in the book. I don't think Theoden ever was like, oh, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think, think it does. If it is, it would be in the next But you're right. It could that. theoretically, I think, and I think, I think that's it's part implied, of, yeah. I think that's yeah. part of, like, the annoyance for me of this like relationship is like it could theoretically happen and the only reason yeah. it doesn't is because Aragorn is like no I mean honestly they're the better couple yeah the 100% more interesting couple. way more interesting couple yeah. um although spoiler alert Shanza yeah, with Faramir which, also... which makes a lot of sense once yeah. we meet Faramir and their well, uh, right. little kind of relationship that develops is I would say much more healthy and adult than. You mean like a real I mean, relationship? Between I mean, Eowyn yeah. is, I like in in the book, she's like twenty four years old. Right. Um. And yes, presumably this is like the first man she's ever seen. 
mm-hmm. who isn't a Warm member tongue. of the court and or Wormtongue, who, who also is really creeper. down bad for Halen. They're pretty explosive in the book that he's just like following around. Yes, really creepy. Yeah. Um, and so I do think that, and is it a little bit of a trauma response then, right? If mm-hmm. if Wormtongue has been following her around mm-hmm. and yeah. presumably, you know just being a giant creep i mean i don't there's no like implication that he's ever like touched her gone near her but he's like obviously very creepy is eowyn like oh my gosh this is my savior (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. and i think so you know she probably shouldn't be attracted to gandall (laughs) or is it just that she's related to everyone and, and you know that could be it too yeah. right so like why does right why is she zeroing in on aragorn yeah. i think it's like a number of I things think yeah. um I think but i also think and i also think it's probably this sort of like gladrial impulse of like wanting power mm-hmm. and um like knowing that for her power comes with aligning herself with the right Mm -hmm. man Mm -hmm. i think if we want to look at this the last you know she stood still alone before the doors of the silent house well Mm -hmm. great she's been given this power to like look over edoras but no one's there the house is empty so like what is what is the power if there's no one to actually yeah, she's just you know rule right yeah. she's just waiting until the men come back and so i think there's also for her this i don't want to say she's like power hungry so she's just gonna make an advantageous marriage but like there's nothing but i do think she Edris, she yeah. wants the sort of power that galadriel has this power to rule and unfortunately for her it does mean marrying the right person mm-hmm. aligning herself with the right person otherwise she is just alone before the doors of a silent house she's you know a member of a a royal family but doesn't you know have any real agency within it yeah okay i buy that do you buy that i mean i think her i think her feelings toward aragorn are more than just like "Mm, he's like eight feet tall and (laughs) very handsome Right, he's really tall. He is very tall. And 85 years old. <laughs> She's 24. Yeah. Aragorn. It's, uh, it's a May December Go sniff around someone your own age. Yeah, Aragorn's Mary Kay Latorno. <laughs> or Cher, apparently. Or Demi Moore. Uh, well, Demi Moore can have whatever she wants. Uh, you see here, and there's a double standard. <laughs> I mean, I think, yeah, like I said, this is going to come up more mm-hmm. but i think it's important to kind of suss yeah. out the very kind of kernel of the beginning here yeah i think we sussed it out. i hope this is making sense it is i just am i just am baffled that tolkien didn't include a soup scene yeah where she makes soup that's bad she offers him the sharing cup she does it's very intimate it is very there's a lot of very intimate things as far as like you know non-sexy intimate things right which again is very victorian <laughs> yeah. and just like very green middle march yeah <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like any of the brontes or any of the any of the i mean there is i would argue there are few books quite as horny as jane <laughs> jane is an extremely horny book or a book that has no actual i mean sense. wuthering heights is also very horny but like jane Eyre is insane 
And if you really want, Uh-oh. watch the uh, like oh, the... BBC, yeah. like um, yeah, series. I mean, it's like a two-part series with Toby Stevens uh-huh. and um, oh my gosh, what's her name? Ruth Wilson. It is horny as hell. Well, I mean, look, they should make it horny because the source material is, is very horny. It is the horniest thing I've ever watched. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's really good. Like it's. Aside from it being super horny, it's also very, very good. But it's super horny, and it's kind of like this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Here, let me offer you this cup that my lips have touched. Is sort right. of, right? Like, well, yeah, it's all coded, right? I mean, it's like, how do you write about sex without actually writing about sex? Mm-hmm. Because, like, you can't. So you finally... Or don't want to, because right. you're talking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, by this point, he could if he wanted to. He could. 1,000% yeah. he could, yeah. But but yeah, here he he falls back on the images that are more comfortable. Right, which are very Victorian. Yeah, they're very Victorian. They're super chaste, but they're super horny at the same time. Which yeah, which is an interesting line. Yep, <laughs> to walk. Some might say they're even hornier because like n- yeah, nothing well, happens, it's, it's right? It builds Keats all thing, the tension. Right? It's the anticipation yeah. without the actual right. yeah, no um, act. Yeah, so it never you're never disappointed because it never actually happens. Right, so it's always as good as you imagine. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on that note, a battle scene. <laughs> because when you're really horny, what better way to get out all that sexual sexual angst but other than be hoarding some orcs? Be hoarding? Be hoarding? Beheading. <laughs> or be hoarding them. Maybe you take them what back. What is be hoarding them? I don't know. Actually, don't answer that question. You just hoard orcs? <laughs> this is my collection. I have a fighting orc. Hi. They wouldn't like that. They would hate it. Well, the fighting archive, uh, they do a lot of yelling in this chapter. They do so much I yelling. I forgot how much you And so much, do, like, yeah. explaining who they are. I know. They say we are the fighting Urukai, like, seven <laughs> times. It's a lot. Like, Some might argue it's too much. I'm like, bro, do you have an identity crisis? What's going on? Yep. Why are you always telling people who you are? I think they might have an identity crisis. They were born, like, three weeks ago. In the mud. Of course they have an identity crisis. They grow up so fast. They have to remind themselves who they are. We are the fighting Uruk High. That's, yeah. They're actually question marks <laughs> in the text. Uh, but yeah, we got big old battle scene. Big old battle scene. Helm's uh, Deep. And we hear about this guy who's uh, maybe dead, but maybe not. He's a big deal. He's in charge of Helm's Deep. Oh, yeah. Uh, Erkenbrand. Erkenbrand. Everybody's very Germanic. Erkenbrand uh, of Westfold. Yeah, who's like... Uh, He's like the Godot of this chapter. Yeah. But he shows up. He does show up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, he, yeah, so it's kind of funny how the movie switches so much of the section around. Yeah. Understandably, because it's going to be a lot harder to Yeah. Convey. And, like, you can't, you can only add so many characters, right? right? Like, how. Yeah, you listening to George R. R. Martin? Sorry. <laughs> Talk about just, like, adding sex whenever yeah. you want. Uh, because a lot you of it non consensual. Yeah, at least I would give Tolkien the benefit of the doubt that that would be the case. Um, True. Um, anyway. Yeah, but anyway, right. So this is, yeah, extended battle sequence. I don't know. I fucking love it. I think it slaps. I think this is great. Go off. There's some there's some cool fighting. Uh, I love the description of, of Helm's Deep itself. We're talking about the Hornburg and the big fucking horn. And, I don't know, it's great. Aaron's like, so happy yeah, right it's now. Great. I He's love like it. a little child on their birthday. There's a, there's a whole Helm's Dyke. Um, 
to hang out in? You want to say that any quieter? <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I mean, we hear about Helm the Hammerhand. Helm Hammerhand. They're like, he came back. And they're like, no, he didn't actually, but he could. Helm Hammerhand is my favorite name in all these books. Yeah, I'm like these fucking horse names. Yeah, yeah, I like, really love like Helm Winnie Hammerhand. the horse. <laughs> That's right. This is... Trotsky is actually a very cool oh, that would name be a for a great horse. horse. Fuck, if I have a if I have a horse, I'm it's, name it's like when, how, if I have a cat, I'm gonna name it German Meow. When I was, <laughs> that's really good. Mm. When I was little, there were these books, Mrs. Piggle Wiggle, um, that I loved, and Mrs. Piggle Wiggle had a pony named Leon Trotsky. See, there you go. I'm a big proponent of animals that are named historical figures. Yeah, it's very good. And if it can be like a pun or a play on words, all the better. What about like a dog? What would you do for a dog? Dog's hard because like everyone's like, oh, well, you should get a little British bulldog and you know Winston Churchill. I'm like, no, That's... like a pun. What kind of pun uh, would you yeah, do for a dog? I don't know if dog. I have a pun for a dog. I went for a cat. I went for a horse. You just stole mine for a I horse. Know. I did. If I ever get a horse, I'm naming it Leon Trotsky. Okay. That's fine. Thank you. I mean, if I had a three-legged dog, I'd name it Eileen. But. <laughs> Yeah, I did have something about this section that I We're doing liked, great. and I can't... <laughs> We're doing great. I um, <laughs> sarcasm. I will say one thing that always really confused uh, me. Yes. Uh, when I was younger, maybe not like, you know, perhaps at the reading comprehension level that I needed to be reading these books when I was in like fifth or sixth grade is I always got really confused about, like, the setting. Like, you said, oh, you, I love the setting, mm-hmm. like, the description of the setting, whatever. And as a young reader, I remember being very confused about, like, what... Helm's Deep was. Like, where the hell they were and what it looked like. Because Tolkien goes into that a lot. It's very important to him. And this kind of goes back to the Silmarillion where we, you know, would have these big battle scenes and yeah. he would talk a lot about, like the landscape mm-hmm. of the battle um which you know obviously is very important to any battle real or fictional right is the place right. where it happens right. but reading this i as again like not so much now mm-hmm. but as a younger reader i remember being so confused about helm's deep and like where physically they were and what it looked like. And it made reading the chapter really hard oh, sure. because I could not visualize where they <laughs> were yeah, and like yeah. what it looked like. And I think that just speaks to Tolkien's, you know, emphasis on how place is so important mm-hmm. to action mm-hmm. um, and what type of action happens. Because if you don't understand this very unique sort of landscape and fortress Mm -hmm. of Helm's Deep, you can't fully understand how this battle unfolds. Yeah. I mean, even Gimli kind of hints towards this when he says that he's happy again now that they're here. He says this land has good bones. Mm -hmm. I felt it. And Legolas Legolas is like, I don't know if I like it here, but I'm glad you're with me. Yeah, that's just what Legolas sounds like too. In this chapter, he does. Well, in that moment. Okay, well, you're making fun of Legolas, and I'm not like a Legolas stan or anything. Sounds like you're fine, man. I'm just trying to defend him a okay, little bit, right. Aaron, because... He's always the... whining about Gimli, though. 
Yeah, but in the last like two chapters, Gimli was like, "I hate this forest. Okay, I'm gonna chop down all these was trees." Scary. And Legolas is like, "No, it's just old." So, I don't know. You're right. You're right. I know you like Gimli and his little round hat. I'm just mad that the movies made him into a clown. Yeah, absolutely. Although I do like that, uh, folks, if you have not read the book, this is yeah. for you, Joseph McHugh. Uh, Called out. They do have a contest. They do. I forgot that was in the book. They do have a contest, uh, Gimli and Legolas, of how many orcs Kills. they kill. Yep. And men. There are a lot of men here. Yeah, that are cut from the that are being cut from the movies. Well, it'd be confusing as fuck. They are in, I believe, the extended edition of the movie. There is like a part where a man, where like a man of the Westfold is like swears like a blood oath to. Oh, you're right, to Saruman. Saruman, but they don't. They don't appear appear at Helm's Deep, and there's actually like a lot of men fighting in Helm's Deep. Um, They are basically like the native Mm. people. Of the, the like Westfold. Westfold that Rohan has treated like shit. Yeah, taking their land. Oh yeah, a little bit of colonialism here. Mm-hmm. Not only taken, uh, were given their land. Right? Yeah, they talk about they away. were given their land. Rohan was given this land by, by Gondor. Gondor. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, if, if, is it Aragorn? Somebody says like. Saruman's exploited this resentment. I yeah, who it is? It but might like, be one of the Rohan. Rightly yeah. so. Right, I know. It's it's. I mean, this is not gonna fly with Aaron and I because Aaron and I have taken us classes with probably well, colonialism can... in the title of them. I mean, to know I that see... colonialism is bad and has only wrought bad things. You, you tell people to live in certain places. Uh, doesn't always go well. Doesn't always go very well when the place, the people who actually live there want them back. Yeah, I, can we talk about that section? Actually? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, it's on five twenty-four on mine. Yeah, which I think it's is probably actually the same, the same as mine. I think um, we're fine. I think we're filing in the we same. Are, but it actually starts with um, it starts where they're talking about they have this long talk about the orcs, about the urukai, and how mm, they like will are. fight in the sun. They're different. Gambling's like you know they will not quail at the sun, and then he says, and neither will the wild men of the hills. Do you not hear their voices? I hear them, said Aemar, but they are only the scream of birds and the bellowing of beasts to my ears. Yet there are many that cry in the Dunland tongue, said Gamling. I know that tongue, which is interesting, that he does and not the highborn. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it is an ancient speech of men and once was spoken in many western valleys of the Mark. Hark, they hate us and they are glad for our doom seems certain to them. The king, the king, they cry. We will take their king, death to the, the foregoyle. Death to the Strawheads, death to the robbers of the north. Such names they have for us. Not in half a thousand years have they forgotten their grievance that the lords of Gondor gave the, gave the mark to the to Errol the Young and made alliance with him. That old hatred Saruman has inflamed. Um, so yeah, I think uh, part of me wonders too uh, what Tolkien wants us to take from this moment yeah like i re- i feel like we're supposed to understand gambling's reading of it more than amr's like dismissive yes they just sound like screeching birds like gambling is humanizing mm. them am i correct in saying that i think so yeah he, he understands their language right he interprets their words mm-hmm. to them um and he understands the why the, right like he understands why 
you know, he seems to have respect for them, too. He says they're fierce folk when they're aroused. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's this kind of interesting class thing going on here, too. Mm-hmm. Gamley's kind of like the Samwise mm-hmm. <laughs> in this moment, right? Like, he's the sort of access point between Aemer, who's this descendant of the royal line, mm-hmm. uh, and the, the Dun- men of Dunland, who are the wild men. Um, so it's just interesting to me that he is kind of the one who knows this and respects them. More. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if this... I I kind of doubt it. This might be wandering too far afield, but like... You know, Gondor gave the mark to Errol the Young. Mm-hmm. Is was everyone in Rohan like, um, like a member of this? I would say clan, or you know, these men of Dunland have they? Are there certain? Like, parts of Rohan where they've, like, you know, the, like, two... Right? If it's Errol the Mm. Young, unless he's bringing enough people, they cannot populate all of Rohan without, like, seeking some other people with which to, like, procreate, right? Right. Right. So are there certain parts of the mark where, like, these people of Dunland, right, and people of Rohan have mixed, and so gambling is, like, yeah, yeah, like, you know, some of us probably have this... Right. I mean, uh, he knows the language for some reason. Uh, Some of us may be descended from... Right? You'd think otherwise they'd be terribly inbred. Right? I think. I, I don't know. I, don't I mean, know. this the, is all speculation. Thing, yeah, the whole thing with populations in this whole series is befuddling to me in the right. extreme because we don't have any sense of how big any of these places are or how populated they are. Like, there's a throwaway line from Theoden at one point where he's like, they're burning all the homes and farms. Mm-hmm. But we have no sense of any scale for right. how large a population Right, but then there's like with. a thousand... Like a thousand men who yeah, like ride to Helm's right. Deep, so obviously it's like big. It's big. It's gotta be. Um, Unless Errol the Young had like a million. I mean, he might have been. Like, people with him when he rode out of the north, yeah, and again, this is. I think we talked about how the Ents are really like a, you know, a bit of a blind spot in the Silmarillion. I think this is also sort of a blind spot, like. Oh. We learn in the Akalabeth at the end of the Silmarillion about how the men of got the men of you know Numenor yeah. came over the sea and helped right. like civil. Yeah, they taught them words. Right, they taught uh, us our joined up letters. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't learn my joined up letters for nothing. Um, <laughs> but like, right, they came over the sea and they mm-hmm. taught them how to farm and like. You know, took things from right. the land at the same time. Be good, civilized people. Mm-hmm. But there's, like, never any mention of Rohan. There's never any mention oh, of Errol right. the Young. Yeah. There's no talk. Like, so where does this fit into that history is, like, so yeah. gray it's, and cloudy for me. It's supposed to be 500 years ago, around the same time as the halls built? No idea. We, we get reference to that earlier, where he says... He, because Legolas is like, oh, it doesn't seem that long ago. And Aragorn's like, it is long ago to these men. Yeah. Lost this. So I don't, yeah, I don't know how long ago this, all this happened. Um, 
but I assume it's longer than that. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's a very confusing part of yeah. the, quote, uh, history of Middle Earth to me. Like, when Rohan was established and, like, yeah, and why did Gondor give it... Was it gave it away or was it one of the... It must have been one of the, the stewards, It says the right? lords of Gondor gave the okay. mark to Errol the Young. And, like, why? I have to assume it was just, just to like, be the like politically the, advantageous, yeah. right? Oh, here's a... It's a way to secure the... Right, a guy we like. Yeah. We're going to give him a lot of land, right? Wow, well, what a... Well, presumably to also control the wild men of Dunlin. Right, Dunlin, right? Like, probably. You need somebody to control these people on the borders. Yeah. Yeah, it's not clear what they've been doing, but I'm assuming they've been, like, farming and shit. Yeah. Presumably for Rohan all this time. Yeah, it's not great. It's not, like, a great... No, it's bad. It's you know, bad. Tolkien doesn't seem to be criticizing it enough here. Yeah, well, but I mean, it's not his style. No. At this point. Um, no. No, you're right. He gives you these little snippets where you think maybe there's gap for some criticism i think gambling is that gap here yeah um but that's a short section that's kind of last we hear of it Mm -hmm. and then the battle starts up again and this leads into the final yeah there's like a lot of talking in this battle did you also think that yeah they're like really i mean there's like a lot of little breaks for them to lean on their swords and talk yep uh which I think, you know, we've talked before, and I think Helm's Deep is no exception, that, like, Tolkien didn't love writing battle yeah. scenes, right? I mean, the fact that he gives, this is the shortest chapter in this section, and not even all of the chapter is, like, no. discussing right. the battle. And then even that is, like, these little breaks in the battle where the characters just like stop to chat with each other really um i think emphasizes tolkien's kind of distaste for war at this point um you know perhaps the only the only good about it is it gives these men a chance to like you know chit chat every once in a while they bond over the yeah, and it's not that he doesn't do a good job of like explaining the battle. Yeah. You know, it's it's well written. It's you know everything. It's all very clear mm-hmm. what's happening. But like, there are a lot of like subsections. You know, or, like section breaks yeah, in this right. in this chapter. Way more section. I mean, there's like yeah, a there's section a break at like too. every single page. There's two on some. Really, and each section break is like, this is a different, like, this is happening during this battle, but it's usually just a conversation. Or it's like a different point of view. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we get a lot more of Gimli's point of view in this section than anywhere Anywhere else else. so far, which is great. We love it. Um, Yeah, it's a much more like snapshot vignette, which which I guess makes sense, because like, how do you convey something this massive mm-hmm. i guess on on the page mm-hmm. um, i mean i'm thinking of like even like tolstoy right and like war and peace like a lot of his battle scenes are kind of the same it's someone's watching from a hit you know like it's told from napoleon's perspective or right. from you know peter's so like there's this way in which there's a tradition for that that makes sense even with something like the iliad 
battles big battle scenes are frequently from a single person's perspective and it's only like the single combat where you get mm-hmm. kind of a detailed description so i think it makes sense it's um from a literary perspective too i guess but uh yeah peter jackson obviously took took the ball and ran with it well sure because these are like the climaxes and i think i mean i think that's really the point is like this is not necessarily the climax of this chapter this is just something that happens yeah right this is just or sorry not chapter i meant section this is just something that happens in this section Mm -hmm. but it's certainly not the biggest thing to happen in this section um and again, I think that just serves to emphasize Tolkien, just like not yeah. like, yes, this happened. Here's a very good description of what happened. But like now we're moving on to yeah, other right. things right. Um, very quickly. Right. Yeah. Um, we have a real deus ex machina <laughs> at the one? end. There's a couple of them. <laughs> yeah, two... Dei, what's two gods? I don't know. Deuses. Yeah, deus. Uh, multiple gods from the machine at the end. The trees and yep. Gandalf, Gandalf both arrived. Does Gandalf summon the trees? Unclear. Do we find out? I don't know. If okay. Do, it hasn't happened yet. Can we talk about the trees? Yeah, we can talk about the trees. We mentioned Shakespeare before. Yeah, it's Macbeth. Yeah. Literalized. Yeah. yeah. Because Tolkien was mad. That yeah, Tolkien was like really mad. That there were soldiers carrying trees yeah. instead of actual trees. And... It's funny because the only two beefs he raises with Shakespeare yeah. are from Macbeth, as if those oh, are the right, only yeah. places that Shakespeare was ever like using. I don't know what we would call it. I don't even want to call it metaphor, but like he was being, Shakespeare was being a little tricksy, right? When, um, um, oh my gosh. What's the wood? Da, 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 says the D. Oh. No, uh, Burnham Wood. Yeah, on, on its way to Dunsinane. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> right. And Macbeth not being born of woman. Right. Um, Which comes up later. In- right. Yeah. Um, Aon, I am no man. Um, so this is the first instance of, of Tolkien having an issue with Shakespeare, not literally having Burnham Wood move yeah to Johnson the, uh, yeah so Tolkien was like let me fix that for you <laughs> William let me take that quill and literally had the Fangorn Forest move to Helmsteep I still not yeah I'm assuming Gandalf brought how else would they know because weren't they going to Isengard before yeah but does I guess I don't know. We'll have to we'll have Lay to read to carefully and I might look back to I think it's I think it's coming up when we like get back to uh, the ends. Yeah. Okay. And maybe Gandalf says but he definitely brings Urkenbrand, yay. Mm-hmm. Urkenbrand shows up. So they're surrounded the orcs are surrounded on all sides and flee into this uh Pen. wood. Wailing, they passed under the waiting shadow of the trees, and from that shadow, none ever came again. Trees got them. Trees? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just clotheslined them all yeah. on low branches. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that these are like the funniest. I don't know. It's very funny to me that 
this was one of the things that Tolkien like takes yeah. Shakespeare to task with on yeah. because why like why are you mad that he didn't actually like Mac- I mean like yes we get a ghost in Macbeth and we have we some do. and we have some witches so there's never any like really mystical like ooh trees can move I mean, sort of thing I guess, kind of yeah, but not in Macbeth. Oh, and he no, only he, I know, he only, only singles out Macbeth, singles yeah. out Macbeth for some reason. It wasn't was the only Shakespeare people. he read. <laughs> he only ever read Macbeth. Um which no, I must have read Lear. I have issues with because I Macbeth is my favorite Shakespeare. Those are your favorite? I love Macbeth. I like At least of the tragedies, I think. Okay, I think Lear is mine. Um yeah, I love Macbeth. Uh, I saw a very cool pr- production of Macbeth, the Stratford Shakespeare Festival, um, where they set it in like basically like sub-Saharan Africa. Africa, mm-hmm. like I think they were probably using Rwanda as sort of their analog, and so it was like, um, you know, like this was kind of our, your setting uh-huh. for it, and it was it was incredible. It was so 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 good. Did the trees move. The trees did not move, and the witches were very cool. I remember, I just remember being like absolutely creeped out by the way that they like characterized the witches. Um, Boiling bubble, toilet trouble. That's right. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I take issue with this because I love Macbeth, and clearly Tolkien has some issues with Macbeth. Um, for whatever reason. Well, it's just yeah. It's but I weird. but right, I just think it's really funny that. Right, I know. Like, this is why he is making the trees move, is because he was mad that the trees didn't actually move in Shakespeare, which, like... Well, he's a big nerd. Why would they have in that play? Right? It would make sense in The Tempest. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I have no answer. I have no answer for this man's strangeness. I'm sorry. I guess that's a quibble, but that's a different kind of quibble than the dumb horse name. We all, we all welcome all quibbles on the yeah and we won't we probably won't talk about it when we get to aon killing the well, we don't know what we'll talk about or we'll talk about that's far true future. but there's no need to beat a dead horse that's true i won't talk about that with the <laughs> lords of rohan so near at hand yeah. is that it i think so is that it i got nothing else okay. i got no other quibbles Aaron has no other quibbles or quabbles. I have no other quibbles or quabbles. <laughs> Give me long enough, I could probably come up yeah. with one. But no, that's it. I think. I think we did it. I think we did it. We, we did, did it gang. in person. Wow. A monumental moment for the podcast. I hope it sounds okay. What if it sounds like shit? We'll have to record again, and we will have to remember everything we've talked about, because if you couldn't tell folks, we are no notes. Oh, we are. We have been no notes for a couple of times. I know. We're I, bad. We don't we, do our homework. It's anymore. been really bad. I haven't had much to write down. I don't know. I haven't, like, these chapters, it's kind of like the first couple chapters, like, they're interesting to read, but I haven't felt I have any, like, big Yeah. Well, thoughts. Yeah. Well, it was where we had to, like fucking piece together right the so i think of that. Yeah. yeah yeah i think we're you know hey if people are enjoying it that's all, it's all that matters to me and if people aren't then keep it to yourself yeah quietly stop listening <laughs> quietly, quietly stop um 
But yeah, we will be back next time with with, uh, uh, The Road to Isengard and Flotsam and Jetsam. Fuck yeah. We'll be talking about those creepy eels from The Little Mermaid for a whole 45 minutes. (laughs) You joke, but uh, we might. We might. Uh, Yeah, man, we are almost to the end of this section. (laughs) Yep. We are probably going to be close to finished with this book by the end of the year. Probably not. I don't know that we'll finish. It's what, early October? Yeah. I don't know we'll finish before the end of the year, but we will be very close. Very close. So. Incredible scenes. And we, yeah, we could not be more thrilled to not be, you know, reading the same book for a year. Yes, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, the fact that the Silmarillion took us an entire year. It's not surprising. And the fellowship took us (laughs) six months is. Revealing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Revealing about the Silmarillion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you've only just joined us now for the trilogy, great. Great. <laughs> yeah. Don't burden yourself. Don't. Yeah. Don't uh, Don't feel like you need to go back and listen to any of those episodes. Oh. I'm sure you don't. <laughs> like, let Saruman's, the, you know, ceaseless quest for knowledge be a lesson to you. Yeah, that's but right. Some things are not meant to be understood. And the Silmarillion is it's one of them. Absolutely one of them. Yeah. And as we have said... It probably doesn't answer the questions that you have about this book. You don't find out where hobbits come from. You don't understand, like, really where the ants have been all this time or how they lost their wives. And you're not going to get any insight onto uh, into, like, where the hell the people of Rohan actually oh, came from, yeah. other than yeah. the vague north. They showed up one day. They're like the ninth doctor. Tenth Doctor. No, it's the ninth Doctor. Ninth, yeah. Lots of places have a north. Lots of places have a north. And on that note, we'll we have reached Doctor Who, which we should not do because we could be here for many, many hours <laughs> if we start talking about Doctor Who. That's true. We will chat with you next time. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. strong confidence in Don Rumsfeld. I hear the voices, and I read the front page, and I know the speculation, but I'm the decider, and I decide what is best, and what's best is for Don Rumsfeld to remain as the Secretary of Defense.